When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from, take a second to hit the subscribe button right now so you can keep up with all of the interviews that we do every single week. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guests, Joan Jett and Kenny Laguna. We're going to be talking about the brand new documentary of Joan Jett's life and career called Bad Reputation and the new song they've included on the soundtrack called Fresh Start. There's also some conversation about her fronting Nirvana, the few times that she's done it and would she ever do it again. We'll hit on a collaboration she also recently did with Laura Jane Grace of Against Me and Miley Cyrus and get a little update on what Joan and the Blackhearts have planned for their next chapter. It's Kyle Meredith with Joan Jett and Kenny Laguna. Hey, Kyle. And congratulations on uh, not only uh, the, uh, the the new documentary, but also that new song. I fell in love with Fresh Start right from the beginning. This is a hell of a track. Well, thank, thank you. you very much. That's good to hear. <laughs> let's start there. Let, let's start with the music. Why not? I mean, Fresh Start, this is the, the first music I guess we've heard in, you know, since the last album, which has been about five years. Uh, how, was this one written specifically for the film, or, or was this something that you all have been working on anyway? 
I think it was something that uh, we were starting to work on anyway, and well, we're definitely finished at, for the film. It was, it was right, and, we, and, and when and we finished it for the film. It's got a classic sound. It's got a timeless sound. I don't know what's what's the uh, what's the process that goes into this one. If there's any uh, good story behind that. <laughs> I think part of it is that Joan wrote it with uh, Doug Cancellosi, our guitar player, and they have a nice style, and it's it's like punky and poppy, and they ha- happen to hit a good good thought. You know, I keep thinking, when are they going to run out of titles? <laughs> so many good titles, right? And they just keep coming. I know. You know, we were just thinking about, you know, music, rock and roll, and uh, what do you write about as you get older in this world? in this rock and roll world because it's always been sort of a a young person's thing, you know, not the, it's just a different perspective. You know what I'm saying? You can't write about, you know, the the clubs you're going to because it's a different, you're in a different life now. So how do you, how do you write about that? You know, how do you do that? And it's just really writing about life because it's no different than, than anything else. And I find it's very uh, parallel to what a lot of people in life go through, sort of um, at some point a reevaluation of what you've done in life, making sure you're on a path that you want to be on. And, you know, if you aren't, hopefully you can change it. And if you are, just to kind of assess it, you know. And if you need a little kick in the ass to kind of give yourself one. So that, to me, that's what the song is about. It might mean something a little bit different to Dougie, I, I don't know, or to each person. But for me, it's that sort of um, kick in the butt that we all need. And it might, you know, you don't have to be older to need it. I would recently, uh, last week, uh, had an interview with uh, Jill Sobiel. I don't know if you know her. Um, she she had felt challenged on yeah her new record because she had overheard an A and R guy say something about no artist can write anything relevant uh, after they're over forty years old, which that that's sort of what I heard a little bit on this one. You know, it's like you know you you talk about it being a young person's game sometimes with rock and roll, but I don't get that with you. I mean, this this sounds as you know as furious as anything else out there but you know it's if you fall into those into those guidelines that other people set then you get in trouble i mean really all of rock you're writing about life you're writing about life in a certain stage maybe when you're 18 but it's the same thing you know when you're 30 you're writing about that stage of life and what's happening at least for me i transfer a lot of what's going on in, into my songwriting and it, it you know so it doesn't really change to me if if it's you just you're going through the same things but different in 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 different ways and so to be able to translate that into understandable situations that other people can connect to in their lives and apply it to their lives as well is uh, really the goal you know to make that connection so they go oh sh- she knows what I'm talking about exactly you know and it's uh, that that sort of thing that you that you're hoping to achieve I use this as a jumping point to, back to the uh, to the documentary that just came out, Bad Reputation, because a lot of these times, you know, the, these moments, they tend to concentrate on an artist's early years, I guess because you have multiple nostalgia generations in there. And I, and I sort of wondered as I look at Fresh Start, like, what's the narrative for the last 10 to 15 years? Well, I, I thought our doc really covered the end. I mean, there was a lot of runaways. And you know, remember, John and I, we, we didn't control the film. The film was made by Carrie Ann Brinkman, who runs Blackheart, and Peter Afterman, a superstar musical supervisor who did the James Brown doc and 
worked on Crossfire Hurricane, Rolling Stones, and stuff. So th- these guys determined what story needed to be told. And I know amongst them there was a lot of talk about how much to cover the Runaways, but the Runaways is groundbreaking and it sort of sets it up. So there is a lot on the Runaways. But then all the stuff that happened with uh, Mia Zapata and the Riot Girl movement and uh, our involvement with the Grunge Acts and then uh, with Fagazi, that was all in the last 20 years, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing. You know, depending on your perspective, that might not be important to some people, but to me, it's 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 huge. But I'd say the last ten years, we did the we did the Runaways movie with Kristen Stewart and Dakota Fanning mm-hmm. that was covered, and then we've just been pretty much on the road after that. So, yeah, but there was the Hall of Fame that was in the movie. The some, Hall of Fame that was in the movie. Some Nirvana the, Hall of Fame, the, my Hall of Fame. Yeah. So we really did touch on it, what's going on in the last ten years. Yeah. V- very much so. I guess that's that's the part we're celebrating. I you know I sorry I think what I said came off as more of an accusation against the documentary and I, when I didn't mean it it's 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 nice because that is when you put these out it's usually what they look at you know to cover a, con, a complete right, career right. like that I mean it's it's outstanding everything right. that's happening and the stuff you said but though I'll jump back sort of to um, not to the runaways but you know to 1980 when you all kickstart this you know the the Blackheart side of things in in earnest I started thinking you know both of you to be an independent artist in 1980 to be an independent artist now is probably much easier given the resources. But I thought in 1980, you know, it's almost like to me that I could look back on and think you barely existed, you know, to the outside world, you know, as you're trying to do this. Because That's totally that, true. Yeah. That's like, absolutely true. And and for, to a large extent, we felt that way within two years after I Love Rock and Roll, we were back to that vibe, you know. Absolutely. What, what gives you the indication that you're going to break through other than just, I don't know, you have to, you sure will or whatever? Well, that's part of it. Part of it is that we weren't ready to explore other life options, but there was no other music business option. And when we found out that the record was a top import, we had a little deal in Europe and the records were coming out of Europe and we would like the number one import in America. So we got the idea, hey, let's make our own import. And obviously it's a fraction of the cost. And our original Joan Jett records, which became Bad Reputation, we printed right on the outside, it said import. <laughs> it was printed on, on, the, uh, on the jacket. And everybody bought it. Nobody said, well, wait a minute. Why would there be original artwork with import? The tricks we play to make it work. Yeah, but... <laughs> But well, I mean, you know, that's what yeah. we had to do to try to get a foothold. I mean, you know, really, we wanted to get signed to a major. We wanted all those bells and whistles, but, you know, we were really not wanted, as you can see from all those letters. But uh, there was just something in us. We knew we were doing the right thing, and I was certainly wasn't ready to give up. You know, I put too much into it without, uh, you know, just well, the uh, live, really... The live thing was going good. You know, if, yes. if, if, I hope the doc covered that enough. Mm-hmm. But when we started touring, we married it to radio stations. And it was like a kind of radio that existed then. It doesn't exist now, really. It was pretty freeform everywhere. So all the big stations, if they were rock stations, the jocks had a lot of leeway, if not 100%. And, um, you know, they're coming off a playlist, but they kind of decide what they take, and they have some leeway to, to play new records. So we had a lot of support like that. And then the PDs started getting on board. And with that help, the shows started selling out like crazy. And it got to the point where uh, we played South Long Island, 
10 miles away, they had a shuttle highway. It was like Woodstock. But uh, you're still talking 1980 here. Yeah, yeah. 81. And, and, and so we had that inspiring us and realizing we had something we were tapping into, and it could have just disappeared. But um, If we had let it, you know, but we just grabbed every, you know, everything by the tail and hung on. And that's the reason we moved to New York, so we could play more. Because, you know, if you're in L.A., you know, once you play the circuit, you know, the all the cities within the area, you're you're kind of done. You know, where else do you go? It's a struggling band with no money that has to live in a van, and you're really counting every penny. But, you know, like what she's saying is then you have to travel a thousand miles, and the, the key for us was to be able to go home after the gig so we didn't have to pay for hotels or anything like that or figure out how to sleep overnight. And, right. Uh, and, and so you could go from New York to Albany, New York to... In six states you can hit and get home. Allentown, Philadelphia, Washington D.C., Boston, Hartford, New Haven. I mean, it's it's like amazing what you can do. And every one of those places had a club. The drinking age was eighteen, so the clubs were thriving. And there it is. It was was just a good combination of you know working with the local radio and 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 just doing the work and getting out there and building reputation as a. It's a good live act, and, um, you know, just doing it every year. I mean, we've really been on the road. There's never been a year that I've not been on the road in my whole career. I've never taken a year off, never done anything like that. Let me let me bridge the present to the past here too, because uh, over the weekend, uh, you were back there again fronting Nirvana, which I'll throw in little quotes right there, uh, which you've got a long history with because, in, in a sense, this goes all the way back to, what, the, the late 70s when you produced uh, The Germs, right? Yeah, actually, I think it was 1980. No, you no. might be right, 79, He's 79. Right. He's right, because you met you made I Love Rock and Roll in Europe in 79, and then you met me in yes, 79. Yes, yes, so it was 79. His, his date was right. I think it's 78. And, and we knew Kurt. We knew Dave a little. You know, we kind of met. Uh, we, Joan was producing Bikini Kill. Bikini Kill's drummer, Toby, was Kurt Cobain's girlfriend when we met all. The original before pre-courting. And, and then, of course, you know, Grohl goes on to play on Any Weather a little bit later on. But I, I was thinking, like, you know, you've done a lot of collaborations. You've 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 been with, you know, with a lot of other artists. But Nirvana seems like there's extra weight there. And, and I don't know if I'm projecting that or if that's true. But is that is that how it is? Well, it's weighty on all levels. You know, it's weighty because it's of who they are and who they were and what they meant to people and what they mean to people and what Kurt means to people. Um, it's very humbling and scary to be asked, but as a fan, there was no way I could say no. You know, there was just no way I could say no. And if, if I was getting the okay from the actual guys in Nirvana, I mean, you know, who am I to say I can't do this? So, you know, when they asked me for the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, I just was petrified but had to, had to do it and was strangely calm that night though and it just it went great i i felt great about it and uh you know that was that so this weekend i i just got a, a text out of the blue the foos are doing a concert out in california the cal jam which i think they they run it and they it's their show and it was a big festival and uh i don't know uh, they just decided to do some nirvana stuff i guess the whole band was there because uh, Chris's other band was playing the festival, and 
Obviously, Pat and Dave were there with with the foos, and I, I, you know, obviously I don't know what their dialogue about it was, but I just got a call to see if I would want to do it again, and and uh, you know, I'm just so honored to be asked. That it's very, but it is strange and weighty, and and I don't quite know what to think about it, and I feel like I I do it, and then I I look down and and walk away, you know, right? Because it's just you know, it's not anything you can own. It's it's you just do you do it as a conduit, you know. Two times now. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, long shot question here. But if Dave ever wanted to take that on the road, would you? Would you? Is that something you would also do? I, I can't even contemplate that. You know, because yeah. I just can't even. I can't even think that they would do that. Or you know, I just. If it comes up, I'll think about it then. <laughs> I don't imagine he's going to do that, but, you know, fans can dream. And no, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't either. Right, right. A couple more here, too, because uh, as I look through the soundtrack for Bad Reputation, uh, two tracks I wanted to ask about. Uh, Androgynous, uh, the, the cover there with uh, Laura Jane and Miley, That uh, what's the story? Is that newly released? Was that unreleased before this? Yes, the blue was unreleased, right, Ken? Yeah, that's first, yes. We did it in Miley's backyard. Yeah, it was in Miley's backyard. Wow. But, but with real deal musicians and recording equipment. And and why that, uh, I mean, was that just the song that you guys were talking about? Was there any reason why you landed on Androgyny or Androgynous? Hey, either question is valid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, at, at the time, no, I think. No, uh, what it was is Miley was horrified reading about some people who had been discriminated against and started Happy Hippie, which is a um, uh, an organization a foundation that tries to help especially kids that are kicked out for being whatever. LGBTQ runaways and people that are, you know, thrown out of homes. And but, but especially transgender uh, suicides was bothering Miley. And so she, she just was doing what she could. She had Ariana Grande. She had other people helping her. But she, she came to Joan, and then somewhere along the line, someone suggested Laura Jane. And topically, that androgynous, I guess, fits into the whole. And it was a beautiful, and a beautiful version as well. Mm-hmm. I think I loved it. It was a nice surprise on there. It really was. As I was listening in the background, and like, wait a second, <laughs> what am I hearing right now? Yeah, and you know, personally, I think it's really topical. You know, about what what's going on in in our society in general. I mean, look, I can speak only for myself, but I've always felt kind of androgynous, you know, straight up the middle. Uh, you know, I just, um, so it's, it's fine for me. No, it was a, it was a really awesome surprise. Uh, the other one I kind of wanted to, because uh, Fetish, I hadn't heard that song in a long time, and I thought, what a different song that it sounds like, you know. It's not so far off from the things you've talked about, but I think that was you know, late 90s or whatever that first came out. And it just seemed like, you know, for, for all the ways you had pushed the envelope before, that was you even pushing it a little bit further, you know, in, in whatever way. Yeah. How does that one sound to you these days? Yeah, what do you it. remember? Oh, I love it. I, You know, I, I, I... And the guy I, who books us, who's in the movie too, Elliot Saltzman, he's been with us since 1980. He says, one day, that song is going to cost Joan a lot of money. <laughs> Give me a break. Are you kidding me? Every guy band. That we do it. Every guy band says fuck, and every rap act says fuck in their live shows all the time. It's not exactly the word fuck that's the problem. The problem is you're talking Girls about... Girls aren't allowed to sing about sex. Girls aren't supposed to like S&M. See? See what I deal with? I mean, it's real, and it's still alive and potent. 
it sucks. And so that's why, yeah, I ram, I ram fetish down people's throats any minute, any time I get. If I can do that live, I will. No, it's fun. I mean, you rock know, and roll's it's not sexy. A, 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 a family situation yeah. gig, you know. Yeah, but the one thing we don't do, we we don't go into Disney World and curse and. No, no, not things. at all. That's you what I'm saying. Well, not, so if it's a certain kind of gig, if it's a you know regular hard ticket gig or something or a little festival. So what comes next for you all? Because Fresh Start seems like exactly that. You know, the movie is behind. You know, the, the life story is told. This feels like uh, it could be the clean slate going forward. Uh, what, what, what happens next? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we're, we're going to be touring as well, I know. And we'll be working on some new music. But really, I don't know. I guess the world is our oyster. We'll see what happens. <laughs> did you, did I mean, you mention we're going to Australia in, in January? Well, I just we're, said, yeah, touring, yeah. yeah. yeah we had a sold out. It was sold out there, which is great news. We've been having a response, I guess, that goes through the new medium. Because in Spain, we didn't work the market. We didn't have a record company there. No releases for the last 20, 25 years. And France. And, and when we went to those places, we had huge crowds. So, Wait, Actually, let's explain that in a minute. We, we, had, uh, we were on the road this summer. We were on a tour uh, with Sticks and Tesla. So it was, you know, a, a, a book tour. And, but last year, before we had signed on for this tour, they had booked a couple of uh, festivals in Europe that were right in the middle of this tour. So in the middle of this tour, we had to fly to France and Spain and do these festivals, having no idea, not not having been there forever, what what are what kind of response we'd get, what they'd think. First of all, of an American band with a political climate, we had no idea if any of that was going to factor in. Then the fact that we just hadn't released a record there or had any sort of profile at all, it seemed, like for years. And I'll tell you, man, the second I walked on the Air France plane, everybody started going nuts. And I'm talking about, like, young college-age girls taking pictures and t- whipping their phones out and the flight attendants going crazy. And when we got when we got there, I'll tell you, all the, these people were singing the words to our songs, all our songs, like off our last album, album tracks. It was amazing, and I don't really understand it. It was a, a tremendous response in both countries, with both places and the fans knowing the words and. It was a very diverse crowd. It wasn't, you know, uh, just a bunch of old rock and rollers. There's a lot of young kids, a lot of college age kids, uh, men and women. I mean, it was really uh, eye opening and and hard to sort of uh, figure out exactly what's going on. But in the end, I guess we don't really need to figure it out. <laughs> in in one sense, you know what I mean? It's you just go with it. And so, um, you know, I don't know what's next. Um, we're just going to go with the flow, and hopefully good things come our way. It's, you're the essence of rock and roll, and I think that's what it comes down to a lot of. I mean, just in the past, you know, five minutes, we've talked about you're playing with uh, Sticks and Tesla against me, Bikini Kill, and Miley Cyrus, and I think that says everything about what you bring to music, <laughs> you know, all around. So right. negative. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, is you can't be, you can't be fearful 
to, to you know, I mean, we're all in a, in a business. And years and years ago, when I was a kid growing up, you know, the, the, the stations played a variety of music. I, I listened to All Right Now by The Free, into Stevie Wonder, into the Jackson 5, into Bang a Gong. You know, it was, it was a very diverse top 40 scene. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to lose that just because... Well, I I'm older. Start. I don't want to fall into these rigid right. sort of, oh, well, these guys, you know, I like, and these guys I don't. No, no. I mean, it's all music, and we're all entertaining, and it's all good. Right, but I also feel your pure rock and roll, which is, is like old negative blood, because it's, it's just rock and roll. Yeah. And it fits into everything. Well, I, I can say for what it's worth, a uh, side note here, uh, we do play, obviously, your music and Against Me and Miley, and I even played the new Sticks record because it was fantastic, so it's... It's never been a problem for us oh, to jump around. Yeah, yeah, see, you know, it's so funny. We get all locked yeah. in these, you know, what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. I'll tell you one thing. They are the nicest people. Those people are they're nice people. Yeah. Just like Grohl is another special one. I like the people that are they're not full of themselves. And there's so many there are, you know. Yes. Yes, it's really a breath of fresh so air when you... Yeah, you, so the, the Sticks guys were just great to be around, great guys, and uh, Tesla guys are too. But Grohl, Grohl's like the biggest guy, and he's down to earth, just like him and Joan together. It's unbelievable. The most two down to earth rock stars in the planet. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's like the, the the biggest guy on earth, one of the biggest guys, and he's just so never any kind of attitude with anyone who comes up to him. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's a thing to aspire to. Be because when people give you that much psychic energy, you know, it can be difficult to process it all. You know, when you got people coming at you at all angles, some people are nice and some people are a little bit more extreme. But to handle it all with such grace is, is really a gift. And it's, it's important because, you know, everybody obviously expresses themselves differently. I don't think anyone is necessarily meaning to come off in a way that makes Miley's you... another down-to-earth person. Yes, totally. And she, she has such empathy for people, which is, is terrific. Well, it just goes to show that you can you can still carry along the uh, the, the mythology that, you know of, of rock and roll and, and be a human at the same time. And I think that's really important. Totally. Joan Kinney, thank you both so much for doing this. Congratulations again on this Bad Reputation film and the new song. Uh, I can't wait for uh, for whatever comes next after this. Right. Well, we'll see you down there or maybe up here, wherever you come. But thank you so much for supporting the record. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, it. Yes, definitely. Hopefully you know, we'll get down to Louisville soon. Yeah, we'll be uh, glad to have you all. All right, thank you so much, and have a great day. Take care. So Bye-bye. All Bye-bye. right, keep rocking. Hey, thanks so much to Joan and Kenny for that call right there. Again, Bad Reputation, the documentary, is on all streaming services now. The soundtrack also out with that brand new song, Fresh Starts. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button right now to keep up with uh, all of these interviews. Whether you're listening on YouTube or the podcast version, iTunes, Podchaser, wherever you're getting it from, subscribe, uh, give us a rating, leave a review, then head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.